Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. We're talking season one, episode 10, Death by Misadventure. And I got to say, this is kind of the Laverne and Shirley episode where (laughs) she's working at the factory and, you know, even Hetty, Miss Hetty is sort of a Penny Marshall type, except if Penny Penny Marshall were a murderer. Sorry, Penny Marshall. Yeah. So all I can think of is the the Laverne and Shirley show. You had mentioned, I think, in Murder in Montparnasse, how gruesome the deaths were. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. This one, not Trump's a let's <laughs> chomp a girl in machinery oh, gruesome, yeah. or throw a guy out of a two-story window at right, right in front of Dot. I yeah. know. This one has really, really gruesome deaths. It does. But it's got a whole lot of Mac. I know. I We've know. Been finally, like begging more Mac. We time. have not seen her in so long. Yeah. Yeah. No, and this is a good Mac episode. We get a lot of Mac. And Mac. I just have to start out right away. Mac's outfits are so awesome. Her like <laughs> wool suit with her kind of plaid, plaid brown that really sets off her red hair, which I think is gorgeous. And she has a thing for ascots, which <laughs> I just love. Damned ascots. I love that. Like a woman, I don't think I've ever seen, I've seen women in ties lots of times, but yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a huh. woman in an ascot before. So I wonder how Jack feels about that. Maybe that should be our toast already. For <laughs> Ladies and ascots. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot going on in this one, too. Mm-hmm. We kind of get into some workers' rights yeah. type things. Um, we get into, with Mac, like her, her quote-unquote lifestyle and yep. the difficulties that that presents for her and just, you know. And we get into Mac disseminating immoral information with mm-hmm. her family planning. Unchristian information. We get Dot going undercover. I love Dot in this episode. Yeah. This is a good Dot one, too. A.K.A. Yeah. Martha Driscoll. And we get some good Aunt P action in this, too. We do. Some yes. Some really good Aunt P action. Lots of huffing and puffing. Yeah. And there's some really kind of chilling moments in here there's mm-hmm. some really kind of not so happy people in this episode and, yeah. and there's i think it's interesting because there's a lot of different suspects and and then when we find out who the murderer really is it's really chilling i was pretty freaked out by that <sighs> that scene when dot uncovers who the murderer is yeah. Of, yeah i really did not see that coming yeah i kind of didn't either she just reminded me of kind of a penny marshall type character hmm. like the tough but heart of gold gal pal older gal and then it turns out she's terrifying yeah (laughs) yeah she's an interesting character why can i not remember her name um i wrote it down but of course now i can't find it hetty hetty yes oof do not mess with her Mm -mm. i mean she claimed it was an accident but uh i don't know oops i fell over and threw you into a machinery where should we well i guess we've technically started but where should we go (laughs) from here um, let's start at the first scene okay. when Mr. Butler has to wake up Franny. Yes. And I don't know something. I think the lighting is beautiful. There's something about that scene that I just really love. You never see like, there's a few other times when you see Mr. Butler in her bedroom just briefly. Right. But 
it happens a couple times in this, like with the with the letter from Murdoch Foyle, yeah. and then he's waking, he wakes her up in the morning. I don't know. There's something about it, like it's the, the sumptuous lighting and the. Yeah. It definitely there is a lot of sumptuousness to the scene. The idea that she's like probably sleeping pretty late. Um, I bet she a, doesn't go to bed before three a.m. Uh, every night. Like, yeah, she's dancing or something. But yeah, she's a woman of leisure, so and I doubt she's woken. a morning person. No, I bet Dot's up at five thirty right. every day. But <laughs> Franny getting her her croissant and hot coffee ready to go. Franny's a late sleeper, so it's I think it's probably a pretty big deal to have to wake her up. Yeah, it's a bit early for a house call, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Mac. So it's yeah. worth it. And Mac is clearly not herself. No, I know. Yeah. And it frustrates me that Franny does not question dig her a little more. deeper. Like, yeah, dig deeper, delve into this a little bit more. Because Mac is well acquainted with death and. She's a tough cookie. Yeah. No nonsense. So for her to be so shaken by this one, it's. That's a red flag. Yeah. It's very odd. There's something going on, and I wish Franny had yeah. uh, asked a few more questions early on. Well, it is early in the morning. She did just get. <laughs> what was that that was siri okay pipe down siri um so yeah i mean mac the way the way she was behaving would suggest that something is up and she maybe had more of a relationship with this dead woman than normal right i do like that line where she says go on take your medicine let me be the doctor for mm-hmm. a while and poor hugh at the scene of the crime, he's just oh, yeah. puking oh, his guts out. Green around the gills, yep. poor guy. I know. I can't blame him. And Be- Franny just, you know, sashays in there in her finery. <laughs> she pokes la, la, at the la, blood la, la, la. and sniffs it. Yeah. And, he like, and he's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really do like the scene with him. Um, but also, like, he's so sick that I don't think he can properly process the scene of the right. crime and write up a good report. He doesn't even like he doesn't even suspect foul play. No, not here. at all. And and Friday's like, that blood is awfully sticky to be fresh. Yeah. And and of course, kind of what we I think I think what we were expecting when the show first started is when she's interfering and and barging into Jack's investigations. It's like I kind of was waiting for Jack to treat her the way the shop foreman does, which is uh-huh. just a throw her out on her ear and right and not even the sh- well the shop foreman but also the the brother who, yeah Rod- roderick gaskin yes his name you're okay. always so good with the names i am, i've started actually writing them. them down so i can refer to them not be like that dude who owns the factory you know the guy the guy <laughs> the one guy the one guy with the thing <laughs> <laughs> i think it's interesting that the the people who run this factory and it's not clear what kind of factory it is like it's it looks it's, like parts like yeah. spare parts or gaskets gaskins gas they look gaskets. like they look like pipe fittings or something yeah, they do yeah um interesting that it's run by a brother and sister yeah though the gaskins although he is absolutely awful to her yes he is so who had just started working there because one of them had had been there for a while and i can't remember was it joyce who comes on board recently or is it I think him? it's I oh yeah I think I missed this I I want to say like it was their fathers or something mm. father and son thing and then he died is that right 
did I did I completely make that up? I it sounds good to me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. There was just comment I, section. Correct us. <laughs> what I remember is like it was an unequal relationship somehow. Well, and she saw herself as kind of running the place mm-hmm. and being in charge of the girls. Awful lot of women working at this factory. Yes, for probably a lot less than the men would make. Especially and since it's no longer wartime. Yeah. Interesting that most of their they were all women. They were all women. Except the foreman. Yeah. They were all Why women. Why is it that I'm only just noting this now? <laughs> like, I'm watching this whole episode know. and not not even realizing, oh, yeah, all of the workers are women. And and yet the their women their woman boss is kind of... Well, she thinks she... She basically thinks she has a different function than her brother thinks she has. Like, mm-hmm. he expects her to be the one to be in charge of his medication and make him. sure there's like, tea for him. Yeah, and make basically sure, his assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's she like, sees herself differently, and she's basically running the show with these girls. I mean, yes. she's the one tracking these weird, this weird, shady extra hours happening. Yeah, she's really behind the scenes because she's got all these other side deals that she's brokered yeah. with the employees that he doesn't even know about. So, I mean, yeah. she's well, he's really too busy, like tromping around like an angry I, elephant, I like <laughs> you know, ranting um, and raving about minor things. Just a quick note: inside their office, did you see the doorknobs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wrote it down. Sorry, like a you know, tea almost just went everywhere here. The doorknobs are like, <laughs> what is the deal with I the doorknobs? Don't know. They're really. This is where I'd be really armed high. with like historical doorknob lore, but I, I don't, don't understand. Know. I don't know the story here. They are definitely not ADA accessible. No doors. The doorknobs are so weirdly high. So high. It's very odd. I don't know what the deal. I wonder. I don't know. It could have been. <laughs> Well, I just don't know. I don't either. I really cannot come up with any any reason that that would be the case. Maybe that was like the... It's very distracting The ill-fated invention of Mr. Hubert Q. Pennyfarthing, who <laughs> had this brilliant idea for having high doorknobs and it just never took off. I mean, I just don't know. I, yeah, I really don't know. But um, every time I watch that scene, I'm just like, yeah, what is up with the doorknobs? super odd. Yeah, I wrote that down and could not find anything about that. Oh, um, while we're talking about like fittings at the at the factory, mm. the lockers. I want those lockers. Yeah, they're gorgeous. The, they, the, I want them. That was a nice detail with the the lockers in there. The and not yeah. just that, the the trash can. Yeah. Did you see that was made of bent wood? Yes. That was a that was a handsome trash can, it and was. I don't think I've ever uttered those words in my life ever. <laughs> um, Along also, with the sexy Murdoch type Foyle's handcuffs were period handcuffs. Those oh wow, brass. Handcuffs. I did not um, notice that. We, yeah. uh, I learned that Murdoch Foyle has beautiful penmanship. I wrote that. To, in fact, I used the exact words. Beautiful penmanship. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. You know, we already sound the same on this podcast. I, know. I think we're turning into the same person. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> we're melding our brains. Oh, yeah. yeah. And no. um, yeah, I love his penmanship. And there's also... Um, there's a really cool little Art Deco wooden wheelchair hmm. in there as well. And I'm trying to think of where... In the factory? No, I think it's when they go visit Max' doctor's office. Is oh, that right? Oh, when she's at the hospital. Yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's also some interesting little period details in the costumes. Like, um, we've talked about this before with the, the murder at the theater. Um, how the set dressers had their... They didn't have 
strap aprons. They oh, had right. button aprons. And the women, the tea ladies, have also the button aprons. Mm-hmm. They button to the front of their kind of pinafores, um, which I think is, is interesting. And then they're, they're little... I love their outfits. They have like these linen dresses, these work dresses that they wear are made of linen. And then they have these white caps. They're almost like mm-hmm. nurses' caps, and they have that rick rack yeah, yeah. on them. And then they have these black tights with their black shoes huh. and I just oh I think that's I like really the great. rickrack detail I just wish that they had washed dots a few times because it was too perfect yeah like it was they would crisp. have handed her somebody's cast off and the rickrack would have like flipped have over flopped over yeah. although I don't know maybe dot is oh yeah maybe she's like carefully pressing her she may and mending her rickrack like she's remember she can it. she can mend stockings with a huge hole in it and get blood out of a velvet gown that's true so, she can probably make rickrack yeah stay maybe flat. she's she's using her <laughs> gold medal home economics skills <laughs> <laughs> yeah so murdoch foil we haven't seen this storyline since the first episode yeah. so they're bringing it back it's been a while it has been a while and she is clearly rattled and mm-hmm. mr butler inadvertently rattles her again when he I don't know that seemed odd to me when he puts the crumpled up letter back he uncrumples it and put like yeah wouldn't you think a crumpled up letter would read trash yeah but I don't know if I were buttling I would probably want to make sure that I wasn't throwing away something important like I'd err on the side of, of keeping it um well, plus it makes it, it's a good excuse for that great little scene yeah. between Franny and Mr. Butler and he. He's, of course, not going to admit to reading it. Right. He's a professional butler. Right. But he obviously has because yes. he, yeah. He knows. I love that reference to his late wife and mm-hmm. you know, when she says, do you think it's possible to make a deal with the devil? And he talks about how he's no longer a religious man since he lost his wife, which I think says a lot about him, actually. Yeah. And I think that actually speaks to why he's so kind to Dot and he's so understanding of Dot being so religious, but he no longer is, mm-hmm. as we find out. And and I just, I don't know, I think it's, I think that's a great little moment yeah, where he kind of gives her encouragement when he never has to, like, she never needs encouragement from him. No, that's true. There's also a great moment. I laughed so hard when he walks in holding a stiff drink, hands it to Friday and says, your aunt is here. <laughs> like, here's, you're going to need this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Time to fortify yourself. That's so good. I love that. Oh, I, have, I have family members that I, you know, wish came with a stiff drink. So <laughs> I understood that moment. But he's a very good butler. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Butler anticipates yet again. Yeah. And Aunt P is like in perfect form with the huffing and puffing and like, do you know how bad a girl you've been? And do you know what kind of trouble this has gotten me into? Yeah. I wrote down a great quote from her when she says, my dear, when a member of the manufacturing classes attempts to buy respectability, who am I to say him nay? (laughs) I thought that was so great. That's a very good impression. I love it. Good Aunt P. <laughs> oh, Miriam Margulies, she's so great. Yeah, and the end, like the flipping. humble yes. pie, and the big—it's like this big, heavy, yep. heavy, like clunk on it when lands. I on have that. to admit that I did not get that at first. Oh, I—I I was like, why is that piece so big? What? Oh, what am my I husband missing? and I and were, then, we yeah. both were—we both 
practically screamed humble pie yep. like, yeah, it was really was funny so and i love um aunt p's little gulp that mm-hmm. she that she does there it's so good. more pie aunt p and Franny and mac are just sitting back looking at each other so good enjoying the scene yeah it's a really funny scene and p comes crawling back so so let's talk about Mac. I mean, there is a lot for her for her character going on in here because we're finding out that she knew the dead woman and it was in fact her girlfriend, her, her lover. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's it's nice that they finally said something. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think about raisins and almonds and how the the woman who was the suspect had this relationship with the victim. Mm-hmm. And Franny says, you know, I don't care who you love or and and it's clear from kind of the very first episode that mac is gay Mm -hmm. and Franny clearly doesn't have a beef with that but i'm glad they actually went there because that she's not just oh she's Franny's gay friend right like she's a human being who loves people and has relationships and and lost somebody dear Mm -hmm. to her and And suffered greatly greatly. because she could not be honest about their relationship and And it sounds like it was a younger a younger woman as well by quite a quite a bit and I think it's it's also interesting that the who, Hetty, who turns out is the murderer, acts like she's disapproves of Mac, mm-hmm. saying, "Well, it's clear that she's what is it that she says like it's she uses some euphemism yeah. for lesbian and unnatural, unnatural. I think is right, and um, and then it turns out she herself was in love with the victim and mm-hmm. was a woman scorned and blah blah blah." And then, of course, Miss Gaskin is hanging out with the foreman. Hello. Yep. Okay. They were very discreet. Apparently. No one knew. I loved Miss Gaskin's outfits. So I She did was too. into that, like, pumpkin, that, that, like, pumpkin cream, pumpkin bisque dress <laughs> with that, that jaunty brown braid, and she's got this really nice kind of braid work on on her dress. I mm. just thought there were some nice details there. Often the peripheral characters don't get the good costumes. It's true. In this they show. also reuse some of the costumes, I've noticed. Oh yeah. Like I'll see the same pattern on the yeah. fabric. It's a cost saving measure. Right, I'm sure of the, course. these are very expensive um shows to produce. So yeah. Well we get some good mileage out of, I think the uh chrysanthemum coat, does that make a appearance again or is that a different episode? This is the blue coat that has uh, kind of a, yes. It's like a silky jacquard. Jacquard yeah. is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, with the great fur collar. Right. Love that. Right. Love that. Um, and the coat has a really nice swing to it. Definitely. I think this might be the only time she wears that one, though. Yeah. I don't recall seeing it before, and I don't remember seeing it after. But I could be wrong. She does wear the red, the red outfit again that oh. she wears in the theater episode. Yeah. Maybe she wears this blue coat to um, Luna Park. I'll have to oh. look at that. Yeah, the the periwinkle thing. Yeah, and the silver hat. I love that silver straw hat. Yeah, that she's wearing. They're also Hetty's Hetty's dress, not her work dress, but her street dress afterwards. Um, I think that there's an. I did a little drawing of it. I think there's it's an interesting little detail with her collar because she has this kind of double sailor oh, collar. Yeah. Huh. Um, it's kind of a more working class dress, but it's still kind of finery for her, which hmm. is which is nice. And Aunt P has a fabulous dress in this, too. She has that brown dress with a pattern that sort of looks like dandelion seed pods. 
and she's got this kind of bar brooch and she's wearing seed pearls. Like she's just in, and of course she always has fur, right? She's always in fur. I just, I love her splendor. She's great. (laughs) (laughs) Friday wears that jacket thing. It's like a kind of Chinese looking floaty jacket. I do. I have to say, I do not like this outfit. Because it's got billowy short sleeves over her billowy long sleeves. Is this the black? She Yeah, everything underneath is black. Black okay. trousers and the wonderful, I love, love, love the black shirt that's underneath yeah. this cardigan thing. Yeah. Because it's got the mesh and it's got like a kind of art deco design embroidered on the mesh. And I think there's some beadwork. Right. But it's being covered up by this cardigan orange. thing is yeah. that that orange thing with the weird yeah, it, I was, it's like fall it, tones that it's almost like a house coat yeah it's it just it looks really frumpy for her yeah I, orange is not her color no she I, needs she needs like the strong reds blacks yes. whites the lavender other, looks fabulous oh, on yeah. her but as we have no said, i just it's like fall tones i just fall do tone, not like on her yeah stick those on dot. the other episode that she's wearing something like that is um, murder on the vine which is season two, but okay. Um, and she's wearing this scarf that's beautifully embroidered, but it's all like fall colors. And and I, I mean, it it works with the color palette of the episode. Yeah. But I just don't like it on Friday. Yeah. So yeah, I just meh. anyway. But what she's wearing underneath is just stunning. Yeah, I love that. Black I feel blouse. like even with the but even with like the periwinkle coat that's so beautiful, I feel like Mac steals the show in her three-piece suits mm. and i mean they're not just suits they're three-piece suits she's got the waistcoat <laughs> and everything and she wears a fedora yeah she kills she, that fedora yeah, she really rocks that thing oh my gosh she is it looks really good yeah she kills it in that thing <laughs> it's great um we do see an unfortunate return of um jack's ugly brown maroon tie that i hated <laughs> in the last episode um but other than that i kind of you know, the menswear, just nothing jumped out at me hmm. for once in this. In Although, okay, one thing did. Bert, Bert has a wool waistcoat that's a twill. Wow. That's beautiful. It's like a brown and white twill waistcoat. You are good with the <laughs> menswear. But that's all I know. And, of course, Mr. B's PJs. Oh, yeah. Mr. Butler in his yeah. kind of yellow... In his like silk dressing gown that we always mm-hmm. see him in, but he, when he's carrying actually, the, what is it, the wicket or no cricket bat, cricket bat, yeah, just always too late yeah, for the burglars, just too late. But yes, we have seen that that house coat a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, not a lot of Friny costuming in this one. To this talk is about. yeah, she. It's a there's a lot of kind of. There's a lot of, like you said, fall tones. I mean, mm-hmm. Mac has her red hair, and she always wears warm tones with her suits. And um, Miss Gaskin is also always in fall tones. And then the the uniforms of the worker girls are brown, brownie, like a French gray linen. Mm-hmm. And then Dot is always in brown anyway. Bert and Sess are in kind of brownie gray, greeny stuff. So yeah, there's kind of a monotone overall in this mm-hmm. episode. But there's some really great details in the architecture like that old factory oh yeah um i love the scene when you look up and you see miss gaskin in the window after she after her brother has been you know hurled out the <laughs> or he's fallen out the window yeah. um when you look up there you can see the ceiling tiles in that room and you can't tell from that distance if they're tin or if they're paper but those are original wow. victorian i'm gonna have to check tiles. that out again yeah they kind of have a um Oh, it's kind of like a swirl pattern, like hmm. a circular 
swirl pattern that's really distinctive. It's really, really beautiful. And then there's that ancient, ancient punch clock that they actually demonstrate that gets working for the <laughs> show. I don't know how, I don't know if, if they had to like fix it and get it working again. Right. But. Yeah. The detail, the, I really like all the factory details yeah. and I think it gives a really good sense of time and place and just the monotony in this giant factory. And, and I think the hazards too. I mean, oh. even, even if someone hadn't pushed her into that machinery, God, I, early 20th century factories were pretty dangerous places yeah. to, to be. Oh, it's hard to imagine. I love the whole concept of the tea cart. I do too. And I'm actually very curious about it. Well, only in the British empire. would I mean, any other, you know, here it'd be the coffee room or something. There'd there be, would be, yeah. The coffee stand that everyone would take their break at. Yeah. And yeah, but there are like, there's a roving tea cart, which is kind of amazing. That is kind of nice though. Actually, I, I, I love want, the idea of somebody like to show up and, rolling by my desk yeah. and handing me some tea. I love that little scene where Dot you know, there's like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, like, well, hello, Dr. McMillan. Mm -hmm. You look like a black with lemon kind of gal. How did you know? <laughs> I love how much fun Dot has with this role. She I mean, kind of blossoms. She and does. She and, and she has a few times, you know, throughout the series that she does that. But this is one of her finest, I yeah. think. And it also gets into some interesting stuff with Hugh, who yes. is uncomfortable with her being there in this quote unquote dangerous place. And... She's just not having it. Right. It's like, this is my job. You go do yours. Leave me alone. I'm good. The Hughes reaction <laughs> when he sees Dot slash Martha and then Jack's smirk. Yeah. When he, oh God. I, I really love Jack's reactions. I just always do. They're so yeah. good. They're so understated. And, but yet you know exactly what's He's going like, through his head. Cause, and Franny had said Collins, like. write down her. <laughs> statement when Franny had said say hello to the tea lady for me yeah and he's like, like what uh, yeah he's got that confused look and then when he sees it it all makes sense yeah and, and then Hugh is there gaping like a fish it's just it's so good I also love that little nugget of a scene where Bert is posing as that panhandling digger <laughs> yep and he's like oh <laughs> That's a fun one too. And he hits the gate, the fence again. He's like, "Oi!" Just to keep the guy for a couple more seconds. It's really funny. But it's funny because there's that little moment of. That's like the only time you see the foreman actually show a moment of kindness because he's a pretty hard boiled guy, mm -hmm. and he actually has a soft spot towards these these diggers, these vets. So he actually says, you know, you take care of yourself and yeah. all of that. Like, I was, thought that was... Uh, that is interesting. Interesting. It's like the only kindness he can spare for anybody. Yeah. And then it turns out he's being duped anyway. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> There's a great bit when we first meet... When we first see Dot going into work undercover in the factory. And they play... I don't know who did the jazz version of it, but it's like this 1920s or 30s jazz version of the blue danube waltz mm, yeah which fits really well with the machinery somehow it did and it, yeah it starts off kind of slow and then it gets peppy yeah when the yeah i really liked da, how they da, 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 mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was great um i i noticed that i don't i mean i enjoy the music and it always like helps with the scene and you know mm -hmm. like it works it, it blends very well but that one stuck out and i thought it was an interesting choice but i liked it yeah, and I don't don't always notice the the songs. <laughs> I apparently am not very observant with the details. 
<laughs> Apparently, I missed giant giant things about the plot. Like, I didn't even <laughs> notice that all the factory workers are women, but I noticed the tin ceiling I tiles. I love that. We just noticed the different important things. things in life, you know. Right. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, speaking of little things that I shouldn't even be noticing, but I think in a in an earlier podcast I talked about that horse, that woman driving the horse and trap that oh, right, they show yeah. over and over. She's back in this episode really? again. Yeah, wow. and it just it cracks. Is me it up. the same B roll? Yeah, it's, the exact it's the same one, thing. It's the one in um, where she's in silhouette. There's two different ones. Yeah, okay. There's one where you <laughs> see her in daylight, and then there's you one should where you give see- her a name. Beatrice. Sure. Beatrice, the horse and trap lady. <laughs> Beatrice is back. That's really funny. Yeah. And I lo- there's a little sign. I, 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 I don't think I've mentioned this, but I love how there's, in all of the episodes, there's often these little incidental signs that are in the background. Mm-hmm. Like um, in the jail, it says no fighting. Yeah. And in the, in Jack's, in the, the foyer of the police station, it says no weapons. And then in this one, they're standing in the, they're kind of washing up in the kitchen and there's, there's a sign in the background that says a tidy workshop is a happy workshop. And I just love those little incidental things. Yeah. I could have done with more big signage for the factory. I wanted to know what the heck that factory was even for. Yeah. Metal you stuff. Know, pipe fittings yeah, made I by think... girls. Like what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Smokers hack for Mike Gold <laughs> sounds so bad. Um, <laughs> Patty and Selma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pipe fittings made by girls. Dot <laughs> 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 com. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just. Uh, excuse me. I'm gonna go register that do- domain name. <laughs> Yeah, it probably exists, and it's probably not good. It's probably not what you think it is. <laughs> Don't go there. Any pipe euphemisms, I'm just yeah. not even going to go there. Uh, Franny's sunglasses okay. make it into this again. Oh, yeah. Which, are those the ones you don't like? Yes, they are. Yeah. She only, she has the one pair. Like, it's the same throughout the entire well, series. I don't have Franny's money, and I don't, I only have one pair, so. <laughs> they probably were pretty rare or expensive or yeah, both or I, bet, I don't know tinting yeah. glass lenses I don't know I don't know I really need to look that up so besides Mac it's like kind of the big meaty topic really out of everything else like I don't know the yeah the inner the, the inner workings of the factory are like meh just side plot it doesn't and they don't really get into they do say you know, they're running these girls all these extra hours. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of, it's just sort of a peripheral thing. It doesn't talk about, like, workers' rights or hourly wages or the 40-hour work week or any of these other things. Um, or strikes or any of the things that they, they sort of might hint at in this. They just don't really... They don't really go there. Go there. Um, so, refresh my memory. Okay, so Joyce is the one who puts bleach in the uh, digitalis. Digi- digitalis. Which, if anybody doesn't know, comes from foxglove, which yeah. is a very common garden plant. At least here. Yeah, yeah here in grows, the Northwest. Also, but also English gardens. Oh, it's sure, very, it's yeah. Classic English gardens have foxglove in them. Also in Harry Potter, the third movie, when the Dementors are kind of flowing over this field, there's this close-up of a foxglove that like freezes oh, under the wow. under the. Dementor. Huh. 
the things you remember. I think I thought that was a really interesting scene though when Mac realizes that she forgot to check mm-hmm. the bottle. Which, yeah, that's part of the procedure is to making sure the bottle hasn't been tampered with. Just as you always fill the syringe upside down because if an air bubble gets in there, you can kill somebody. Right. Um, same thing. She's she does this by rote, but she forgets. Yeah, and, and it's she's kind of like she's kind of des- devastated by that moment because she's like, "Oh my god, yeah, now I'm a suspect, and now I don't have a yeah." I, I feel like that's secondary. Like the shock that she didn't do a thing that she always does and she knows she should do yeah is like the and now wor- it's got her is, in trouble yeah exactly yeah. like the top problem is like oh my that's gosh that's why I they up. make you check yeah. <laughs> second problem is now i'm a murder suspect yeah. i do love that flashback scene where it shows how hard she's jabbing him in the rear end with <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's taking out some frustrations with that syringe and i don't blame her well he is a you know pain in the arse so she <laughs> gave him a shot in the arse so uh, I, okay, remind me why Joyce wanted to poison him or kill him? That's not clear to me. Okay. It's, is it because he treats her like crap or is it because she wants to run the factory herself and oh, get the I profits? Think, I think that's it. I, I feel like it's because she wants to run the factory, but I don't exactly remember. Also, he's dead before he hits the ground. Did she or the foreman shove him out the window? Well, this is what I don't get because that glass... You wouldn't break that glass just by like slumping into it. He, yeah, I feel like he had Did to. Did he thrown. like die and then take a running start and then throw <laughs> himself as hard as he could? Like, we don't find out like if anybody threw him. Could she have been strong enough to push him up? Like, that doesn't seem. I don't care how many movies it's in. It is really hard to break a plate glass window <laughs> with your body. Like, huh? All right. Good you to usually know. have to use something like yeah. like a fire extinguisher or a metal trash can like it's glass is a lot harder to break than it looks to be in movies and there's no way joyce would have had the strength to do it so i think it's the foreman i think he did it but i don't like well she was he was in cahoots with her yeah clearly i don't know that they ever even address because it's a two-part thing it's like he was already dead before he was thrown out the window right so we know who did the bleach and the did the tampering right but we don't know like who actually threw him out but i have to assume it was joyce and ted the foreman we've said before like the plot is very it's not even secondary like i just really don't care although i had to laugh with the whole like first of all he almost falls on dot yeah which is scary gets spattered in blood yeah and dot doesn't scream dot's come a long way she She really used the phone in the first episode (laughs) um but all I could think of was, uh, I don't remember who coined it, but it's like that thing, if you see a plate glass window in a movie, someone's going to get thrown through it. <laughs> or if a character is not named, they're going to get shot. Or, or if know, the character coughs, yeah, they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Like, one cough means consumption. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the plate glass window. Yeah. I like that. I'll have to. I'll be on the lookout check, now. Check. Well, it's like I, when I saw Blade Runner for the first time, and that's like the first thing you see is this plate glass. I'm like, oh, well, someone's gonna get thrown through that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, I haven't watched that in so long. There's a. There's. A, do you ever watch Firefly? No, I love Firefly. I want to, it's on my list it's of great. things to watch. It's yeah. sadly there's not much of it because mm. of the fox and the powers that be and, and all they, the good things. And they denied the power of the internet nerd. Um, <laughs> 
But anyway, sure in enough. one of the episodes, they, they make a spoof on that joke because they're in a bar and they cause a fight. And then it sh- cuts to the, the, there's this bar brawl happening and then it cuts to this plate glass window outside that says bar. And then he gets, the main character gets thrown through it. But it's a hologram of a window. Oh. So he gets tossed through the thing and then the hologram like <laughs> shimmers for a second and then it restores itself again. That's it funny. was really great. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty funny. Oh. Um, so Dot has blossomed quite a bit <clears throat> yes. in this episode. However, she does not learn that she should remove all the correspondence and read it off site. Yeah, I was like Just, screaming at the thing. Don't read it I there. Know. Leave. Go. Yeah. Go away and then read it. Tuck yeah. it into your... Take it to Friday's house. Yeah. Read it there. Uh. And then you won't ever have to go back again because they'll yep. know who it is. Yeah, yeah. Don't linger. Not a not a smart move. Um, and it doesn't turn out like you know all of the murder she wrote episodes turn out, which is where Angela Lansbury is like confronting the murderer and says, "You did it, didn't you?" And they say, <laughs> "Yes, yes, I did." <laughs> and they come quietly. Well, that's not the case. With this. No. That was actually really terrifying when yeah, Hetty is like, "What are you doing? You betrayed me!" And yeah, it, it dot is. stumble and fall like that. Oh, that'd be such an awful way to die. and then I think and she actually saves Hetty she does Hetty like is about to throw herself in there no she falls over when when Hugh and Bert not Bert sorry Hugh and Jack and Franny show up Franny does that crazy thing that I'm not sure how it didn't kill her which is (laughs) hitting hit the the electrical electrical panel with an axe I don't know what's going on with that um and then she's like I'm fine I'm okay (laughs) jazz hands my heart stopped just you know just a little bit my ears are crispy. It's like Jurassic Park. You know, he wakes up and says, three. <laughs> but then when that happens in the kerfuffle, Hetty kind of stumbles backwards and windmills her arms a little bit. And then he, Dot reaches yeah. out and grabs her. That's right. Yeah. But she says something. Hetty says something like, I'm already going to the gallows for this. Yeah, that's right. Is she, so is she about to throw in Dot for a pen- in? Yeah, yeah. In for okay. a penny, in for a pound, I suppose. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, moral of the story: If you steal correspondence, don't read it until you leave the scene. Poor Dot. I know. That was her only misstep. Otherwise, she was amazing. Yeah. I still just don't see how Franny didn't die when she used that axe. Because come on. Because <laughs> she's Franny. She's amazing. I suppose she can outsmart electricity. <laughs> oh man. Um. I I like that bit where Hugh is trying to rifle through the trash to find the bottle of mm-hmm. digitalis and he kind of gets into it with dot and hetty reads it as he's being fresh with her or yeah. something and i was kind of wondering i don't know i'm glad they didn't make it seem like hetty was going to hit on dot because mm. there's kind of this fallacy that if someone is gay that that means they're gonna hit, like if yeah if you like girls you're gonna hit on all girls and right. that's ridiculous and I'm really glad they didn't go there because I was kind of afraid of that. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of shows would have done that immediately. Yeah. Huh. That, oh, here's a new ingenue. Let's, you Mm -hmm. know, but I'm really glad they didn't do that. Huh. Well, and she makes that funny comment, like, you could do better or you don't need to scrape the bottom of the... Bottom of the barrel. barrel Yeah. And then Dot Dot is like, hey, now, wait a minute. (laughs) That was was a good look. (laughs) But yeah, Hugh is so annoying in this one. 
and just doesn't want her there. And ugh. also, it's very um, territorial. Like he's like, you're mine. I don't want anything bad to happen yeah. to you. So you need to leave because I say so. Like and I don't you, want my toys broken. You, we need to nip that crap in the bud. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, there is a funny line that Franny says to Jack when Jack, Jack is not impressed. Like Jack is ready to throw the book at Mac. Yeah. Which surprises me a little bit. Um, well, he has to do his job, but when he goes very interesting, what's the evidence for that or something? Mm -hmm. And then, and then I love it when Franny says, well, I doubt she injected bleach into his veins in a fit of passion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Franny doesn't know that, that Mac has been arrested until Aunt P comes and says that oh, right. Mac was paraded through the hospital for everyone to see or something. How and embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. And and Franny is really upset. So Franny so, is like fighting with Aunt P. Franny fighting, is fighting with Jack. Yep. But she even asks Mac, like, why didn't you just tell me? I mean, how long have I known you? Mm-hmm. It would have really helped if you'd told me you loved yeah, her. And that's a good question. Why didn't Mac tell her? I mean, it was Is obvious. Mac just used to not telling anybody? Is Mac the type who wouldn't confide silent, in somebody? Yeah, like a silent suffer. suffer. Silent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But like when Franny's showing her those black and whites of the grisly scene. And, and Mac is like losing it. Yeah, yeah. Can't even look at them. Hello, Franny. Something's up. I don't know. I feel it like was, there's, they both missed something there. Mm-hmm. Like, Mac should have at least given her friend a clue. Yeah. And Franny should have noticed that this wasn't your front of the mill. I feel like that problem could have been solved with one line each. Like, this this kind of stuff takes me out of the show a little bit. Because yeah. I feel like the, the characters are being sold short. Yeah. Because they aren't as smart as we are used to them being. You know, like... They are dumb right. in the right places, and it that frustrates me. So I feel like that needed, maybe the writing could have been a little tighter with those, and there could have been a reason that Mac didn't want to say, or a reason that Franny just was not picking up on this. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that doesn't make sense otherwise. Well, that sort of brings me to, let's talk about Murdoch Foil. Mm. How do you feel about how they handle that? Do you feel like it was seamless do you feel like it was glommed on do you feel like it was a oh we better do you remember that guy you yeah. probably don't remember that guy we better throw this in here because it's it gonna felt. come up later i know that's how it felt it's like oh yeah. we're running out of the season we really have to get back to murdoch foil that it it just it suddenly a little like that yeah it got stuck on the end because they forgot about it or something it just was not woven in i mean we're what are we at season we're at episode 10 and it is the first time since yeah. episode one yeah so that's too long to just leave what will become a very important plot line. I feel like they out. should have, if they were going to handle it like this, they, they almost should have sprinkled in a few things here and there mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah, like more letters or just sort of... Or like a shot of the hair ribbons again, like yep. somewhere. Or, you know, they kind of, I don't know, like they, there was an opportunity in the previous one with Jane and that Red Riding Hood Totally. Coat and the pink yeah. hair ribbons. They could have done something there, or I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like they could have left breadcrumbs. I agree. Yeah. It just it felt too rushed and too. It was like an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, to mix crap. My, we have to. What? Oh, breadcrumbs to mix my fairy tale metaphors oh, nice. here. Yes. But wrong fairy tale. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think they handled it as well as they could have. And. 
I don't know. I wonder. After this point, I think it's great. Like after this point, I think, you know, they, it's, it's this nice arc Mm -hmm. that they create terrifying arc. It's a really good arc. It's a great storyline. And I, yeah, it's chilling and wonderful and fun. And yeah, it's, but so I feel like if they were going to only mention Murdoch foil, if they were going to wait till now, then they should have, instead of at the very beginning mentioning Jane and how she lost her sister and all that, they should have waited until yeah maybe an episode or two ago to that's a good point they put it in there to to let us know why she was back in australia but i feel like just getting away from her family or the london scene like there were a lot of reasons that she could have just been done right you know Um, and she okay if she came back to australia to make sure murdoch foil was going to be in prison she sure didn't do anything about it for almost a year (laughs) or however long it was yeah. You know, aside from that first episode, it kind of, she well, never mentions him again. Yeah, I think she, didn't she ensure that he would stay inside because his parole was coming uh, up? Yeah, I suppose she testified or something. Yeah. But, then, but I, don't so, see, I don't see how she'd have a say in that. Hmm. Would she? Would she, I mean, they're like, I would they know. really contact her and say he's about to be paroled? And she'd be like, well, I don't like that because I was. I have no idea. I don't, I don't see how that would actually make a difference. Because when, at least in America, when people are up for parole, they don't ask the families of the victims if that's well, okay. So I was um, working customer service a long time ago and got robbed. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And it actually, like, it was... Like, at work or... Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, it was all good. Like, totally fine. Nothing happened. It was... The guy claimed to have a bomb. He did not. He had his hands in his hoodie pocket. Jeez. Um, so I didn't see like any weapon. Yeah, no, it was blood ran cold adrenaline spike until like 10 PM that night. Like it was, it was, yeah, it was intense, but it was about as safe as any robbery could have been. Cause I don't think there was actually a weapon anyway. Um, when the, that was the guy's third strike. Cause we have like a three strikes and you're out policy here. Yes. And I was the quote unquote victim and they called to find out like what, what did I want to happen to him? And so I don't, yeah, I don't know the legal system back then. I, so maybe they did want input from the family of the victim. And also she's a titled person and maybe that has some, she has clout. It's true. But you know, Murdoch Foyle also, as we will find out later, he also has clout. He is educated. He is Uh upper crust. He's not just your common street rat. No kind of guy, but a title still trumps professordom true. <laughs> true so i yeah i don't know how that all happened but but what i mean she came all the way from london to make sure this guy stays in but now all of a sudden she's actually considering letting him out just to so get that information. she can get information it doesn't that doesn't work for me that and also it, she's so strong that it's hard for me to believe that, that she'd be swayed by that, that she wouldn't already know, like, I already know the answer. Right. It doesn't matter. He's not going to tell me the truth or. Yeah. I mean, she, and she says that, but I don't think she means it. You know, she still really wants to know. Yeah. Which I get, I would get that you would want to know, but the stakes are pretty high to let this guy out again, even though she knows that like he's murdered. And I, I just don't see her character doing that. So it's thrown in here a little too haphazardly and just doesn't quite fit with Franny's character. 
like that that would be something she's really considering doing. And then yeah. is this the episode where she and, and Jack at the yeah. end talk about it? Like right yeah. in front of the fire? Yeah, and then he says, well, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, but yeah. I love when he's like, you never listen to me anyway. I know. <laughs> it's a really I wrote sweet, that down. It's a really sweet scene. I mean, she's asking for his advice, I think, as a friend. and uh, But then he's like the whole time, he's like, you know what to do. Yeah. You know, and you're strong and you know what to do. Like yeah. you can handle this. And yep. I really like that. I also love that little tiny, very Victorian fireplace that she burns the letter in. So I, another yeah. clue that her, her Italian at house was actually built in like the 1880s because <laughs> they had tiny little drawing room fireplaces and, huh. and the craftsman era architecture had tended to have larger fireplaces. <laughs> So I actually noticed the fireplace this time because we had talked about them previously. I never noticed that kind of stuff, but yeah, we did. Tiny so little is fireplace. This, is this different than the one? It like, is different. Yeah, it's not. not the, it's not the one with the peacock fireplace screen. Okay. that's in the that's in the drawing room, I think. And this one, I think, is in the dining room. What? I need a floor plan of this I, house. That yes, I actually have it in my notes. Like I want somebody floor did plan. do floor plans of the Downton Abbey house. I think oh. I saw them online. I want Franny floor plans. Yes, we need this. Um, I, I actually, think there's like a little nook where she goes and and has a drink with. So okay, there's either a little fireplace in the drawing in the dining room, or there's a second fireplace in that in the parlor. I don't because I thought they were in the parlor, but it's a different fireplace. So it's not the room with the teal walls, though, is it? Oh, I thought it was. Because that's the parlor. That's yeah, the main Yeah, okay. I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. She also, I mean, upstairs, she has her, like, apartment, you know, with yeah. her rooms. Yeah. Um, and so maybe she has a secondary drawing room, but I don't feel like Jack would be up there. Like, that feels too intimate. I've, other than when they're trying to tackle a burglar later, he's mm-hmm. never upstairs in that right. house. Yeah, so um, I feel like it has to be downstairs. Oh, and, and, and when he gets drugged and they put him to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's what, he's upstairs in the house then, but not <laughs> not, not consciously. No. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's standard. You wouldn't you wouldn't bring guests upstairs. Right. You just wouldn't unless they were staying with you. Yeah. So it's got to be downstairs. Okay. I just have to look at the fireplace somewhere. Again. I mean, there could be there could be a room with two fireplaces in it. I suppose I don't know. Huh. We we just clearly need a floor plan of this place. I uh, this this may fall to us as our job. Maybe we'll we just <laughs> sit down together. Right. Maybe we should like puzzle this out. Like <laughs> let's sit down, <laughs> pen and paper. Attempt. We can both draw. Let's <laughs> we can send it in to every cloud for confirmation. Yeah, be like is this about right? We can is have a peer, peer reviewed with <laughs> our fellow <laughs> Friday fans. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, homework, lady. That's all right. Coming up. It's weird that we're talking about the same episode here because now that we've talked about Murdoch Foil, I've like forgotten all about all this factory business and the digitalis. And yeah, the, they are very different storylines. Yeah. And then, it's, I mean, the Murdoch Foil one ramps up so much at the end, and I really yeah. love it. Like, I love that storyline. Yeah, it, I love the darkness that yeah. it, oh, it brings yeah. to the series. Which yeah, like, it's, it's really it's a chilling. good balance. Yeah. Um, but yes, if it had been inserted a little more seamlessly that would have been nice um so i'm excited for this the end like we're getting close to the end of, of season one I'm well yeah super excited. the previous episode with the the flower maidens mm-hmm. there was a lot of overlapping storylines and they were all very seamless like jane's mother and all this stuff it was all linked together very nicely but this one it was like here's a whole plot <laughs> and then remember Vernock foil he's really scary <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So one more point about Dot. Um, I love that she hasn't solved the case yet and she still wants to go oh, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though she just saw this body land in front of her. But she's like, no, no, no. I haven't solved the case. I yeah. need to get back in there. Yeah. And I love that. Because she really, she is such a great character in this particular episode. She has like, really blossomed. Yeah. It's, it's how far she's come is really, really wonderful. And I love that little scene where she's sitting in the kitchen with Sess and Bert, and mm-hmm. they are eating that kind of lattice um, jam tart that kind of foreshadows the humble pie at the end. <laughs> and she's sitting there with her feet soaking in Epsom yeah. salts, and that's just adorable. It really is. And she's so proud of herself. She's smiling, even though she's got sore feet. And, you know, she worked a day in a factory, and she went undercover, <laughs> and she's finding out stuff about murderers. And <laughs> I love her it in this It was a one. good day. Yeah. <laughs> When Hetty teaches Dot how to pull open those cheap padlocks, mm-hmm. I love how she kind of crosses herself and does, oh, yeah. says a little prayer before she <laughs> before she does that. That's a really cute little yeah. moment. <laughs> so I, I I really love historic factories. Part of it's because I kind of have a background in like letterpress printing, and you see like these old print shops and things. But I remember a few years ago I toured. Um, the Edison Laboratories in New Jersey hmm. are a national park site. Now. Oh, yeah. It's like a national historic park. Um, I was just reading about that. And he made a lot of the machinery that he invented right, right there. In the, so there's hmm. a whole factory. There's his office and everything, and there's like a chemistry lab in there. But there's this whole factory with like finishing machinery. And it's not clear what, what all of it was for. But... Um, it's a very similar setup to this factory. It's quite beautiful like this factory is in this show where huh. there's like, there's, it's not just your, now you see factories and they're just utilitarian boxes out, right. out in the industrial areas, but they didn't do that a hundred years ago. They were, you know, very carefully considered. They had good light. They had high ceilings. They had these kind of arched windows. They were very stately looking. Very stately looking. And they often had like, interesting inherent symmetry. Like in this one, there's uh-huh. this pathway that goes between the two towers um, of the entryway. And one of the right-hand tower is where um, the boss is thrown out of the window. Yeah. But you kind of see this establishing shot of the they walk into this walkway between these two kind of tower windows. Um so I really, I really love those old buildings. They have these huge cavernous spaces and these, you know, fifty-foot ceilings or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I grew up in New England, and the, um, the that's where the Industrial Revolution started in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it started in England earlier, but the first textile mills were in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And um, that part, the kind of textile belt of Massachusetts, is where my family is, hmm. where my parents live now. And um, and so like. Lawrence and Lowell and Methuen and all of these cities, they, those old mills are still there. Huh. And especially, like, Lowell has been kind of a tough down for many years, but it's starting to get gentrified now. And they've now turned all of the um, textile mills into another national park there. Oh, wow. And they've even, my parents lived in a converted textile mill for a while that was converted really? into apartments. And oh, they had these cool. beautiful 15-foot ceilings. And huh. This, they're just such beautiful buildings, and and I, um, I don't know. It's just easy to take this stuff for granted because now factories are just so awful, but mm-hmm. they used to be wonderful architecture, even if they stood for terrible things like these, right. you know, lack of workers' rights, and especially God, textile mills were the worst. Like <laughs> yeah. polluting small the children, rivers. like sticking their hands oh, in machinery to clean lint out and like losing fingers and stuff, yeah. and working twelve-hour shifts, dumping and, all the dye into the river. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Textile mills, not great. <laughs> Did you ever see North and South? The baby? Yeah, I think we yeah, talked we, about this. Yeah. 
talk about like text, like worker conditions and textile <laughs> mills and, but so beautifully shot. And they shot that series at a real textile mill hmm. museum in the UK so that it was all real machinery that they'd gotten fixed up and working again. And that I'm stuff just fascinates me. Watch that series again. I love it. It's good. <laughs> you can stream it on Netflix. Oh, cool. All right. Easy peasy. Problem solved. <laughs> I feel like this whole episode has been us talking about other TV shows. There just was not that much in this one. Yeah, we, small details, but no... Not yeah. anything really good to sink our teeth into yep. other than Mac. Let's see. We know Murdoch Mac's a lesbian. Yep. Uh, she got in trouble for you know, malpractice-y kind of concerns as well, even if she hadn't mur- murdered the guy mm-hmm. and Doc going undercover and Murdoch foil. Yeah. The end. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, good talk. <laughs> yeah, I think we did quite well. So maybe our toast for this, maybe we should just go back to the, the, the wisdom of Laverne and Shirley. And, you know, the theme was all about making our dreams come true. <laughs> that seems sort of cruel. Given. <laughs> making our dreams. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the wrong tone. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about, like, to toast to workers rights yeah. like you know unions it wasn't all whatever. the vernon shirley in the factories it, there were serious times too so let's toast to the factory girl <laughs> everywhere wherever you are factory girls we salute you cheers, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> i just got tea all over your table <laughs> Hi again, this is Mary, and I've got a really quick favor to ask. If you could go to iTunes and leave us a review on the show, we'd really appreciate it. We've got 10 episodes under our belt now, and we'd love to hear what you think of the show. Thanks so much.